0: Welcome, everyone. Today's Housing Wire Daily episode is all about the fallout from a very volatile week for the housing market. My guest to talk about all of that is managing editor James Kleiman, who has been overseeing how the Fed rate hike news affects everyone from lenders to agents to title and more. James, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having me.
0: Wow. Well, uh, I really appreciate you taking your time today. I know that we are right in the middle of a huge news cycle, and I know that. You know, providing our audience what they need right now is is pretty big. So, obviously, biggest news this week was the Fed rate hike, um, which even though it was anticipated, has been has been huge. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so it, it really everything kind of kicked off on Friday of last week, and uh, naturally, it was one of the few days I, I decided to take off for uh, for a, an appointment for my baby. And um, and of course, you know that that's really when when everything started to started to crumble. And so so what really happened is so the uh, the CPI index came out, and it showed that inflation was I want to say it was something like eight point six percent in May, um, and, and that was just you know the, the highest reading that they'd had in decades. And so the Fed, you know, the rumors had been that the Fed, which is meeting this week, was likely to hike up rates about fifty basis points. And their whole goal, of course, is to contain inflation. That is the number one, two, three, four, five priority uh, of the Biden administration and, and of course also the Federal Reserve. And, and so for much of the week, people had thought, okay, 50 is, is baked in, you know, and, and that's kind of how we saw rates start to move. And then on Friday, that report comes out and the stock market. Really takes a dip. I don't know if anyone looked at their four hundred one k last Friday, if they were foolish enough to do so, uh, or brave enough, you know, depending on one's perspective. But it was really ugly, and so the markets were were really in a tizzy, and mortgage companies in particular. You know, I, I think Lone Depot was trading at like nearly one dollar a share, one dollar and change. You know, I mean, it, it looked really, really bad, and so the anticipation that, of course, was the Fed is going to be a lot more aggressive in what it does regarding rate hikes this week and started seeing rumors in the Wall Street Journal, you know, and in, in other regarded financial publications that the fed is likely to hike rates 75 basis points, maybe even 100 basis points to really get a handle on inflation and 100, you know, is is um that would be a very big step. Maybe the the markets would rally, maybe that would uh, you know, really quell a lot of fears about inflation and and about kind of what, what that means for the economy and jobs and, and um, you know, how big a bite this takes out of productivity. So 75 basis points ended up being uh, what the Fed decided to do on Wednesday. I think it was all but one of the Fed governors voted uh, for 75 basis points. And if it, it continues to be on track by the next meeting in July, the Fed is likely to raise rates again, another 50 to 75 basis points. And so, You know, in the short run, it it probably means rates are going to stabilize a little bit. You know, the market believes that the Fed is taking pretty aggressive action. This is the largest or, or the highest rate hike since 1994. And um, you know the, the goal is to get inflation at a target of about two percent. Um, I think that's very unlikely, given that it's in the fours right now. And I, I can't remember a time in which uh, you know they were ever able to to get you know that many percentage points of inflation down in a calendar year. Um, but having said that, you know the, the Fed has certainly been very clear about its goal and. Uh, the question is really how the housing market is going to react to this, because there are already a lot of big changes underway. We've seen inventory start to tick up. We've already seen a slowdown. The number of sales has dropped. The number of buyers has fallen. There used to be 50 to 75 buyers you know, on any given house in, in certain areas of the country. And now, you know, we talk to real estate agents, we talk to loan officers and In some cases, maybe there's only one now, you know, in others, there might be just a handful, Um, but certainly things are slowing. And for the companies themselves, uh, you know, this has a big impact on their business. These are volume, low margin businesses. And if you tell people that rates are going to be in the six, if inflation doesn't tap down 7% range, um, they really can't do a lot of business. And so we've already seen layoffs uh, yesterday. I want to say it was yesterday. It might've been Tuesday. It's it's been a long week already. Uh, But, but Redfin laid off uh, 470 people. Compass laid off about 450 people. And, um, you know, there are rival brokerage companies that say these these are our reader problems exclusive to two companies that have never made money, you know, that have not been profitable um, and don't read too much into it. But, you know, the takeaway here is uh, less demand for mortgages and houses uh, is going to lead to less business, and less business is not good for an industry uh, that you know relies on on a pretty steady flow of home sales. And we're not building more homes either. You know, people like to say, you know, oh, 20 years ago, you know, we had similar similar economic conditions, and and you know the housing market was fine. Yeah, well. They build homes 20 years ago. They don't do that now.
0: Well, and if you think that builders are optimistic right now, I mean, the builder sentiment is falling through the floor. And with 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 these interest rates, they're just going to they're just going to hold. Plus, a lot of their deals um, are now falling through. Right. Like uh, the people who started a house at whatever you're under contract, but you don't you don't have a rate locked. Um, when you start, start building a house. So yeah, that, that's going to be huge. And completion was already a problem. Um, you you know, we, we had a a story, um, yesterday, uh, or today again, I'm like, I'm like, when did we publish that? But we're really talking about what does it look like for originators in this higher environment? And especially because of the how fast it went up. So, you know, in a normal market, yes, you know, okay, these things are going to happen. But to your point, since last Friday, Things have changed dramatically. So one of the things that the article really talked about was margins, Um, you know, and the fact that people are just hoping to now break even.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if you talk to an LO, I I talked to somebody on on Monday, you know, just as things were really kind of in in the middle of 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 scary territory, and uh, she was telling me that she had three or four clients they hadn't locked their rates yet, and. They had been watching, you know, 30 basis point per day jumps, you know, consecutive days. And it just it it greatly erodes the purchasing power of potential borrowers. And, and it's stressful as heck for an LO, even someone who's been in the business for 30, 40 years, who's seen every cycle you can imagine, who remembers the savings and loan crisis and the housing crash and, you know, the highs and, and the lows, um, it's it's nerve-wracking. And from the perspective of the mortgage company, I mean the capital markets the the MBS market all but shut down on Friday there was no market for the sale because the yields weren't in line you know investors they didn't get the premium and so they saw other other places and um you know I I think we're probably going to see a little bit of a return to normalcy we'll see rates probably steady over the next few weeks but um it's not a good time to be a mortgage lender you know, we we had gone from the highs of 2020 and 2021, or right? its like what four trillion a year, give or take, both years, and now we're looking at probably, depending on who you ask, half of that, maybe you know, maybe two and a half trillion. Like well, let's see, but you know, so much of this, Sarah, was predicated on the purchase market being really strong this year, which is. You know, not as rate dependent, certainly, as refis. I mean, refis are down, what, 82%, you know, year mm-hmm. over year. I don't even, I, I can't even fathom, like, who would be refinancing right now? Uh, like, man, that's a story we should do if we can find someone. Uh, but, you, you know, the, the purchase market was was supposed to be the savior this year. And entire uh, companies that had been really heavy on refi business had to make sea changes to their organizational structure. They had to rewrite their comp agreements. And, and they really had to kind of remake themselves as companies. And that was under the assumption that rates would be in the fours, maybe the fives this year. And now we're looking at maybe the sixes. And again, I don't necessarily think this is going to happen. But if inflation continues to go up, because so much of this is out of the Fed's control, right? Like they can't they, – they can only control so much. And, and, you know, the price of gas and, and you know, other – large external factors are, are not something that they can manage or, or you know factor in in some cases so um, if that doesn't get under control we could very easily be looking at rates in the sevens and you know i, I do think that will mean that home prices will probably come down but it will also mean that i I think a lot of people will just say, "I'm just not going to list right now because the buyer pool is shallow, and it's not a great time." And if I refi if I if I have a mortgage, you know, low carrying costs in the twos or threes, and I can make it work, I'm just I'm going to wait. You know, I'll give it a few years. Let's see what happens. Maybe I'll rent it. Maybe you know, they, they have options here. Um, but I I think I don't know if people talk about you know what what the Fed. Uh, making these changes, what that means for the larger position of the housing market. You know, I, I mean, as I said, refis, they're done and dusted. We're not going to see them come back in a long time. We're going to continue to see layoffs at these mortgage companies. And, and you know, I, I think most people that w- we talk to will agree that there's too much capacity and, you know, people who were just doing refis in 2020 and 2021, they're going to need to find work elsewhere. But, There needs to be a policy response and they're not building more housing. And we still have demographics wise, what, tens of millions of millennials that are going to be looking to buy homes in the next 10 years. And if we're making it more difficult for companies and consumers to invest and uh, to make that a reality, it's, it's tough to see how this gets much better. Uh, so maybe the summer of 2022 is a casualty and and maybe, you know, everything normalizes and the Fed is able to get inflation at a healthy number, maybe two and a half, right? Like I think two is unlikely. Um, but what does this mean for, you know, the next five, 10 years of activity in the housing market?
0: I think it's especially interesting to me um, when I joined Housing Wires 2013 and what you saw then after the great financial crisis was the you know, the pullback of the major banks from mortgage lending, right? Because it just it just wasn't profitable. Yeah. So they're like, why should we do this? So then then you saw the rise of the independent mortgage bankers who really came in and were like, hey, we can fill this need. But then you go, you know, in a time like now, having having a diversified, you know, if you're a depository, if you have other things going on, it gives you, a, a, I would think, an advantage when, you know, you have times like this. And if this is all you do, if mortgage is all you do, this is going to be
1: a tough time. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's funny. I, I think the banks are actually in a pretty good position because they have different lines of business. And and I'm sure that there are some IMBs that will try to diversify. Some have already bought up other, you know, financial technology companies or uh you know are looking for ways to um grow beyond just traditional, you know, vanilla mortgage lending. Um, but it's it's gonna be tough. You know, I, I think it's also interesting to remember that. Whenever we do see kind of dramatic escalations in the market, like there, there are winners and there are losers. And you know, last time it was it was the banks, and they just decided, you know, we're, we're not going to participate to the extent that we did. And then others, you know, filled the void. I mean, who benefited more from the banks leaving than than Rocket or UWM or you know the, the big boys that that ended up going public and, and ended up you know having the access to huge lines of credit and making billionaires of their founders and CEOs in the process. Um, and, and maybe this will create another iteration or another wave and, and, um, it will change the dynamics. You know, I, I think a lot of that will have to come from the policy side too, to see what it permits, right? Like the reason the, the the non-banks were able to enter is because the bank said too much risk. We'd rather not, I don't want to do FHA loans. Like, you know there are just so many reasons for them to pull back. Um, maybe, maybe we'll see, you know, uh, new laws that will permit, you know, a lender that, that is doing many different types of lending in one space and and they can, you know, do cross-selling much more effectively. You know, they can, they can get everything under one house, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's an exciting, but, but a scary time depending on where you're sitting.
0: Absolutely. And I know that's, you know, it's one of the reasons we've been talking for a couple of weeks for a couple of months about non-QM rental loans, just, you know, like for instance, if all those people are going to stay in their house, because they're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm locked into this great rate and I've got a lot of home equity. And I mean, it, it definitely lends itself to HELOCs. It lends itself to some different kinds of uh, products. Like, you know, I'm going to stay in this house and it really needs updating. Oh, you know, what am I going to do? And so it'd be interesting to see who is able to uh, pivot to those kind of things um, and, and the success that they might
1: have there. Yeah. I mean, there are lenders that really specialize in just doing home equity loans and then improvement loans and renovation loans. And and I think that they have an advantage here. Um, it's, it's also an area that, you know, renovation loans especially has really been kind of the domain of the banks, which is interesting. You know, it's not a product that you really see at like Rocket or Low Depot or et cetera, et cetera. Right. But they're, they're definitely coming into the space. I also keep in mind though, you know, that there's a limit to um, how much equity some people can pull out of their home and, and how much money they have to, to pull off some of these projects and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but it's um it's, it's going to require, I think a lot of agility in the market. If they didn't save their eggcorns from, you know, the, the winters of 2020 and 2021 um you know, we're, we're certain to see more layoffs. I'm surprised that on Thursday morning, we haven't heard any yet. Uh, in the mortgage industry, Uh, but they're coming. They're absolutely coming. There's, there's no way around it. It's just a numbers game. Um, we've already seen it on the real estate side, you know, similarly, like these are small margin businesses. They have in some cases, big support staffs. They have a lot of people who are in place so that the agents can do what they're built to do, which is just sell the home. You know, it's, it's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of this and that, and and it's not an efficient use of their time. Um, that may not be a luxury anymore that those brokerages can't afford. And so I think we're going to see a lot of agents, you know, this is always what happens that business is very slow. Pipelines are cleared and agents and LOs say, yeah, my buddy works at Lender X. am going to clear out my pipeline and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to find a new place. Maybe, maybe I can negotiate a better comp agreement or, or maybe, you know, maybe they have better products, you know, for my, my clients um, but I, I think we're also going to see just in general, a lot of turnover in the industry,
0: boy, i I agree with all of that you said. And you know, we really sympathize. We're not in the industry. We cover the industry. We sympathize for the people trying to figure this out, especially uh, when things happen as quickly as they have in the last week, where you know, you could have whiplash from from last week to this week. So definitely, what are some of the stories that were that you guys are looking to write in the next few days um, that you that you expect to? Uh, you know, be really good for our audience in this time.
1: So we're, we're really focused right now on sort of this idea of both the winners and the losers, right? So, so we talked about some of the bigger companies, the small margin companies that depend on volume. We know volume is going to drop. There's demand has dropped. Uh, but I also want to see, you know, how much erosion there is on on kind of the, the sell side um, because of those dynamics that we talked about. If I have a home and I have a mortgage at 275 or 3%, what incentive do I have to put that home on the market? And, and some of these, you know, issues that are, that are going to start to permeate for both the LOs and the real estate agents, now that the rates, you know, have really killed demand, are they also going to kill supply? Um, so that's something that's going to affect pretty much all parties. Uh, and and we're going to be really focused on on a lot of stories like that. We're, we're also going to be looking into um, kind of what the options are for some of these companies that the we talked already about Compass and Redfin and, you know, the ones that are that are kind of, um, you know, looking almost like Greece in 2010. You know, they're they're uh, <laughs> they're they're trying to be a little bit more um, thrifty. They're they're not expanding. They are they're they're definitely belt tightening. You know, uh, can they be profitable? Uh, can can they make this work? Can their investors, uh, you know, will they stick with them for long enough to to see, uh, you know, investment that they hoped they were getting
0: great wow looking forward to reading those stories and and just all the news that's coming out we have uh people on on these beats you know we're looking at it from the real estate side and the mortgage side the title side the appraisal side from all the sides you know we talk about all things housing that's really what we're looking at right now because this is you know it, it doesn't just affect loan officers it doesn't just affect real estate agents there's this huge whole industry that's trying to figure out what this looks like for the next six months
1: yeah this is bad for title this is bad for appraisal. This is bad across the board. Um, but you know, in the end, this, this could end up being, um, you know, a cleansing fire if, if it does stabilize, if they're, you know, if the economy rebounds and people still have money, I mean, keep in mind how many cash buyers were there on the market? How many people were, were bidding, you know, 50, a hundred thousand dollars, over ask just to just to get that house. And so, yeah, there, there are going to be people who are shut out and who cannot participate in the market or who decide not to list their home or not to buy anymore. But then there are those who are fighting and scrapping with, you know, 50 other people at an open house. And now and now they don't have to bid, you know, over ask. Now they don't have, you know, to waive all contingencies. So there is going to be some normalization. How much, how quickly? Yeah, these things are, are cyclical. Right. So, this is this is a weird cycle, but it's a uh, it's you know, it's, it's going to be uh, an exciting one to cover as, as a journalist.
0: Well, we'll be looking for those stories as they come out and the podcast and all the other ways that we, uh, you know, we our lunch and learns all the different ways that we try to uh, inform our audience. So, James, thanks so much for being on and look forward to reading all those stories. Thanks, Sarah. the Housing Wire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.